I guess I've uh, become a little bit strict when it comes to training. I really want to do it my way. So if uh, <laughs> if someone else wants to take another route, r run a slightly slower pace, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, I'm really weird that way. I tend to uh, train a lot by myself, so I get exactly the training that I uh, I want to have. Hello and welcome to The Run-In, sponsored by Envy and Straight Compasses. Today we're really excited because we've got an interview with one of the biggest new names in international orienteering with us. And from his seven world titles and silver medal at Home World Champs, we know he's going to be a name you'll hear a lot more about in the future. That's right, we're going to be talking to Norwegian athlete Kasper Fosser. But first, uh, Catherine, we've got a bit of a correction to do from last week, I think. All um, right. Uh I'm not. For, I, I didn't run for the East Mids growing up. I, what, did I'm, I say you were you were in the East Mids? I, I think you did. Yeah. So I mean, a peek behind the curtain is I was having some technical difficulties getting onto the uh, the call, and I I couldn't do a live correction. Um, where you said I grew up in the uh, the East Mids junior squads. OD is um, the weird bit that kind of straddles into Northamptonshire, which is in the East Midlands. But um, I was a I was a West Mids boy through and through. See, that's probably where I got it from. Is I like roughly i think you like roughly live in the east mid somewhere i mean truth <laughs> that, i do not know anything about the midlands so, nah. so like i don't really know what i'm talking about but of course you were west mids oh man so sorry to all of the west midlands squad who i have absolutely offended there and that's why <laughs> and that's why will you weren't be, you weren't able to say in the actual episode hang on Catherine, what are you on about yeah i did have a couple of messages of going did you not want to correct that? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing, Will? Have you forgotten where you're from? So to everyone who sent me a message, thank you. I hadn't forgotten. Um, thank you to all of the coaches from the West Midlands, you know, who helped me through and got me up. I still do a little little bit, um, if I can, with the West Mid squad now. I hung some controls from last year. I don't do, very, I don't do that much because I'm useless. Um, <laughs> but I'll try and remember in future them. that it's West Mid and not East Mids. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the most important news out of the way, though, Will, um, that correction. Yes. Second yeah. piece of news is World Championships, uh, 2021 Czech Republic. All the training areas have now been embargoed and the mm. Czech team are not allowed to do any WOC-specific training. So all about, you know, travel restrictions, because I think the Czech Republic is getting pretty bad. Uh, I mean, everywhere yeah. it is, to be honest. But, like, um, so... Will, what do you make of it? I, I really don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you, because as people hear in our interview with Casper, it's any training that the Czechs do in their own country is walk relevant. But I know the, the walk terrain is so unique and so specific, but let's think about the sprint or something like that. That's mm. any sprint training they do in Czech is relevant. So they're not allowed to do, and then they're not allowed to train as a group and things like that. So it's, it's really weird. Um, I think it is a good decision uh, because... Some countries are definitely limited, but then I also see the argument of, you know, where's the restrictions on other years for countries who can't afford to go on mm. however many training camps that the Swiss team get to go on. So where's the restriction for, for the Swiss team in, to steal from uh, Mark Nitzen's interview a couple of weeks back of the uh, financial doping of, being quite flippant with that phrase, uh, you know, going on however many training camps per year where other countries aren't able to do that. So it's a strange one. And, and I don't think I know. Done earlier? I like, think probably, you know, yeah. This is this is not new, the fact that people haven't been able to travel to the Czech Republic. So should it have been done earlier? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, because you've got things like 
if people were holding on to go to Euro meeting that's now been cancelled and they're not able mm-hmm. to go because of their work restrictions or things like that, other people may have gone out in the summer or September or early October and got some training, like um, uh, Ben Mitchell, Meg Carter Davis did from the GB team. Mm-hmm. So they went a few weeks earlier and weren't going to go to Euro meeting and they, they took the hit to the quarantine when they got back. But quite a lot of athletes within the team can't justify going in relation to their university commitments and work and things like that. So mm. it's uh, there's automatically a disparity there of what people you know, were able to do now. So if someone was going, still planning to go to Euro meeting, if, if it was still on, because we know now it's been uh, fully cancelled, mm. there would be quite a, uh, yeah, there's already an element of unfairness even within a national team. So it probably, yeah, probably should have been, to be honest. But then again, you know, there's, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit of overkill. You've got all the Czechs seen on embargo, like Vitek Kral and particularly Milos Nikonim, who likes to be quite vocal about things that might be vaguely controversial. Um, <laughs> fair enough, to be honest. Um, he was saying, you know, this is ridiculous. We're not allowed to train on walk terrain. So much of it is walk relevant terrain. That is a bit crazy. Too much, you know. You said previously, you've not had that be a thing before so yeah interesting yeah. i i i think there's no ideal solution and that's the thing with orienteering in general like ideally you just embargo all the terrain i don't know if you want to make it complete complete fair play you don't let anybody go to like that country any terrain that might vaguely be similar before you go yeah. like there's it's just impossible to do like you can't have complete fair play because well, you can't in any sport. Different people will have different fundings. You know, in athletics, mm. people will train differently. Some people will have uh, be studying alongside, be having jobs, be able to travel to different meets and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's not possible. No. And, the, and then the whole point of having a home world champs is that you have an advantage over other countries. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what the, that's the whole point of being in the home national team. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I can completely see the, uh, the annoyance of the checks because if we were told that Right, no, no Brit is allowed to go do go and do any training in Scotland yeah. from now until next year, when other people can come and do it as well. You think what? Really? Yeah, I mean, c- can you imagine exactly? Yeah, you lose either way. I think I don't think that's the right answer. Anyway, that um, I think is all the news for this episode. We're going to move now on to our big interview of today's episode with uh, someone who. If you take a little note of international orienteering or you don't at all, he's going to be a name you're going to hear again and again and again, I think, over the next few years. He's already got one World Championships medal. He's got seven Junior World Championships titles. He's, I mean, surely going to be one of the next big things in orienteering. So it was an absolute delight um, to sit down and chat with Casper Fosser. And uh, yeah, this this is what he had to say. Casper, explain to us uh, where you are right now. What's the COVID situation? Can you train? Things like that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I've uh, just uh, gotten back to Gothenburg after spending the whole summer in uh, in Oslo. The res- res- restrictions are getting tighter in uh, both Norway and uh, a little bit Sweden as well. So uh, it's not really a problem for me here in Gothenburg. I still. Uh, Still have a lot of friends I can uh, train with, and uh, training is going pretty well here. Uh, but I, I was hoping to uh, get to travel to uh, Czech uh, Republic uh, sometime next month, but that looks uh, 
looks to be out, out of the picture for now. So uh, I'll just have to do the best out of uh, training uh, and living in Gothenburg for now. Well, I want to talk about the Czech Republic a little bit later on. Um, but first of all, how has this year been for you? What have you managed to do after pretty much everything was cancelled? Yeah, uh, it started off with uh, having a stress re- stress reaction this winter. That was pretty serious, so I, I couldn't get back in full training before uh, March. Uh, mm. And uh, and by then the COVID uh, uh, situation was uh, was all over the place. So so all uh, yeah all camps and uh, competition was uh, cancelled, but. Uh, but I, I was just happy, happy, happy to start uh, started running again and uh, was doing well in training and uh, spent some weeks in uh, in Oslo and Gothenburg back and forth. Uh, and then this summer, when uh, competitions finally started to come back again in Norway with the uh, Norwegian Championships and uh, other races, I got a uh, hip injury that I wasn't uh, wasn't really able to uh, figure out, and uh, then. As soon as that got better, I got another stress reaction in my uh, in my leg. So <laughs> that's what oh, that's basically that's basically basically what's happened uh, this year in 2020. So for me, it's um, I I probably wouldn't have gotten any much competitions anyway. So I guess I uh, I've managed to um, time my injuries uh, well this year. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what caused gonna... that? That just that <laughs> run of bad luck. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's uh, stress reactions are a complicated uh, thing, and uh, mm. when the bone density in your body first starts to get uh, too low, then it's uh, it takes a while before it gets back up. I guess I've been uh, uh, struggling with uh, getting the bone density uh, up again, uh, and uh, that's why I got a, sec- a second uh, round of uh, stress reactions. Mm. But, uh, but I, I did get uh, three months of uh, really good training this spring, and uh, uh, I ran some good times on uh, on some three three thousand meter tests uh, in Oslo. And uh, but I unfortunately I haven't gotten to gotten any uh, any big uh, races this year. Yeah, we were looking at some of those time trials you were doing. Is that a- thing that you were had always planned to do this year is it something you enjoy doing well uh, i it's it's not so it's, it's not something i've i've done uh, that many times before but uh, since since there were no other competitions i um, <laughs> it seemed like uh, a good test this fall i was still training towards uh, sprint walk before uh, it got cancelled so uh, getting my speed uh, Speed up uh, at three uh, k with uh, what was like uh, a part of uh, the road to walk. Yeah, has it given you a lot of confidence knowing you are, you know, getting the times that you have done on the time on those three k? Yeah, I, I have learned a lot uh, from training this spring. Even though it ended in uh, injuries, um, I uh, I was quite uh, surprised as how, uh, of how fast I managed to improve my speed. Um, I'm not really a fast guy. I I like long, tough races in the forest. So uh, that was quite exciting. Uh, so now I know I know how much time I need to spend to get um, to get uh, speedy legs for uh, for sprint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Are you? I want to talk a bit more about the injuries. Are you good at being injured? Are you able to have? Do you have the patience to be able to do all that rehab and do the cross training that you need to do, or do are you someone who absolutely hates it? Well, I I uh, I guess a, a little bit of both. I I do absolutely hate it, but uh, <laughs> but I uh, I do quite well. I've been I've had. Uh, two surgeries uh, in my ankle as well that, that, that have taken a long time before so I'm I've gotten a, a good routine routine of how to to both uh, train while injured and how to how to start running again uh, afterwards so um, and what does that look like for you what, what yeah, was that training normally when I have an injury I I tend to train a lot uh, in uh, in hours um uh, like uh, biking and uh, aqua jogging and uh, skiing, if uh, if that's possible to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I I I I I try to to like uh, get up to my my absolute limit of uh, of uh, training, even when I'm uh, injured. I want to do I want to do it as uh, well as possible. Um, so this mm-hmm. winter I. I spent uh, a lot of hours uh, training, like. Most weeks, I, I uh, had uh, three times as many hours of training than I do when I when I, when I uh, I'm not wow. when, I'm, when I'm not injured. So, so that that's quite tough mentally and and physically, of course. But um, that's uh, what I feel is the best way to go. Uh, but this summer, it's been uh, a different story because I first my hip my hip injury didn't uh, was um, really difficult to. Uh, to do anything with like uh, both aqua jogging and biking and anything mm. uh, was kind of pain- painful. So I I kept the volume uh, volume down there and uh, now with my second uh, time of uh, st- stress reaction, I, uh, me and the, uh, the doctors uh, have figured out that uh, uh, the best thing is to keep uh, keep the training uh, to a low uh, low volume. So I. I can uh, gain some uh, kilograms and uh, and uh, get my bone uh, bone density up. Um, so that so so this summer has been uh, yeah has been an uh, easy summer to say say at least. Mm, but hopefully, providing some kind of learning and figuring out what your body is like and how to prevent that kind of injury in the future. Yeah, really. It's been uh, it's been really interesting. I have a great team of uh, both doctors and physios, uh, nutritionists behind mm-hmm. me uh, that have helped me a lot. So I've uh, definitely learned uh, learned a thing or two uh, on the way. But there but there's still a lot of work to do before I uh, can uh, be sure that I won't get another round of uh, stress reactions or fractures. Mm-hmm. Do you normally are you normally someone who trains by yourself or do you like training in a group? I I do like to train in a group, but um, the tendency is that I uh, normally end up training by myself. From uh, a, a young age, I uh, often uh, often run r- run by myself because my other running friends lived uh, too far away. Um, mm-hmm. And now I'm. Uh, I guess I've uh, become a little bit uh, strange or uh, strict when it comes to training. I really want to do it my way. So if uh, <laughs> if someone else uh, wants to take another route or uh, r- run a slightly slower pace or uh, something like that, I uh, 
I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm really weird that way. So I, uh, I tend to uh, train a lot by myself. So I get uh, exactly the training that I, uh, I want to have. And do you plan that out? yourself a few weeks in advance or much much longer and think about which session sessions you want to do and do you work with a coach to to do that as well yeah i uh i'm a really a big fan a big fan of uh, planning training it's almost uh entertainment for me <laughs> to plan <laughs> my uh, my training so i have this uh excel uh, sheet on my uh, on my phone that i uh, yeah spend almost an hour every day uh, planning training and uh, thinking about what to do next. So I, and I also have, I do have a, uh, a coach that I uh, run uh, things over with, but um, uh, I like to, uh, to plan my training uh, the way I want to do it. And uh, that part I really want to do myself. Mm. And mm. is that the same for the, the physical and the technical? Or is it that more just focused on the physical side? Uh, I, I guess that's more of the physical side because because that that's uh, that's something I really feel like I have uh, have, have good control over. Um, mm. But but the technical side, I I feel like I have a longer way to go there. That's the part I tend to search for help from others to do. Mm. I want to turn now to well, we've done enough of this year. This year was too miserable to talk about let's talk about last year um running both the junior world championships and the world championships in 2019 which one was the priority for you yeah it was uh until uh i was selected for wook it was jwook that was my first uh my my, my, uh, my or my only goal actually mm. i uh, all, all of my training uh the season ahead was uh was towards uh, Jaywalk in uh, Denmark. Mm. And then how much notice, when did you know you were selected for walk and therefore how much preparations were you able to do? Yeah, that was a funny story because I, uh, uh, the, the selection races uh, in Norway were at the same weekend as Jaywalk, so I couldn't do both. I, I, I had to perform perform really well at some races in Norway uh, in that, that spring and uh, some uh, joined the national team on some uh, high quality trainings and uh, mm. I really had to do something special special to to get a spot on the team and I uh, ran re- really well against the, the seniors at uh, those races and uh, and I knew I had a good shot but I didn't uh, find out uh, until uh, the, the day after the selection races and that was actually five minutes mm. after running into the finish at Jaywalk Long Distance. Oh, okay. <laughs> what a day. That was, that was uh, quite a day, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what then... I, I will talk about the Junior World Championships soon, but um, so then you presumably got back from Denmark and had to do switch your brain over to, right, you're racing the long distance at the World Championships. Um, you've been focusing on the Danish terrain and had to switch back to that Norwegian terrain. So what kind of things did you do in that time? Yeah, I I, I, I went to, to, quite, to quite extreme measures to perform well at WUK. Because I, mm-hmm. well, I, I had performed quite well that spring in uh, in Norway uh, at races uh, in Østfold. Um, but 
I still felt like I had a long way to go to be able to win a medal. Uh, so I, I uh, the the week after Jaywalk, uh, I was extremely tired as well. So it was <laughs> tough. But I I, I joined the. Uh, a, a camp, uh, or, or we we had a camp in Norway uh, for one week, where I I ran almost uh, exclusively on map and in in that uh, tough terrain for the whole week, and uh, yeah, tried to make as much um, progress uh, on on the technical part uh, as possible mm. that week, and then uh, I I also. Transitioned my training quite a bit uh, towards uh, running long distance. The terrain is one is one thing, but uh, the distance was also a lot longer than what I was uh, was uh, training for before. Um, yeah, the extra so forty my, minutes. Uh, yeah, when I'm training for Jaywalk, I I don't only train for long distance. I train for uh, all disciplines. So to only train for a one hour forty minute long distance, that's that looks quite different. So my, my weeks, uh, it was only four weeks <laughs> between Jaywalk and Walk, but the, those four weeks looked uh, quite different from what I I was used mm. to doing. And it's so unusual, I think, for you know a junior to do the long distance, especially. But I do. I mean, it does seem to be your best discipline. Those two Jaywalk titles. Is it your favorite? Is it your best? Um, I feel like maybe I. I've done best at long distance. I don't know. I don't really know why, because um, mm-hmm. my training is uh, more towards, uh, or it's like equally divided between all uh, three disciplines. Um, but uh, I, I do tend to run better at long distance. I think it has some, has something to do with uh, with uh, being well trained uh, physically and uh, also being able to run really good long legs. That's a quality mm. I'm. Uh, I've uh, really uh, done well over the years uh, to take good route choices and uh, execute. Yeah, well, that's. I think looking back on that walk long distance, you did so so well on those long legs and ending up with that silver medal. Talk us through the race. What do you remember from it? Yeah, I well, f- for first I I started really early. Uh, I was uh, I was actually not in the in the last uh, starting group, uh, but I uh, somehow managed to get the last uh, starting spot in the in the second last group. So uh, yeah, I was lucky there. Uh, yeah, so I, I I didn't have any times to look for or anything, but uh, that doesn't really matter. I just. Uh, thought about myself and uh, didn't really think about uh, everything else. I do remember standing at the start line and seeing uh, seeing the crowd uh, uh, from uh, across the run-in uh, mm. and I, yeah, that made me really, that, that really got me into competition mode and I, uh, I got some uh, big energy from that, seeing, uh, seeing some family and friends over, over there uh, sharing for me. So I, I knew while running the race that I had done a good race. Like I didn't do much mistakes, but mm. uh, I did did feel really tired towards the re- towards the end. There, uh, my, my hamstring was cramping up, and I was just 
generally really really tired mm. so i don't really i don't really remember much from the last loop actually it's, it was just uh just uh painful uh like if it wasn't work i i don't think i would have uh, managed to uh, to get that second place <laughs> yeah well um, i've written down in my notes here had fantastic speed in the first half, two thirds of the course, and did really well on the long legs. But then, yeah, lost a lot of lost at time. I mean, I say a lot of time. Like, really, you still ended up with that silver medal. But yeah, just kind of not really having that speed through the second half. And I guess that's something you'll be looking to improve on, as you know, as you become an actual senior and and, and run more walks. Yeah, absolutely. I. Uh... I think I could have done something um, differently that day uh, with uh, uh, with pacing, um, and that was also something I really I was training really hard for in uh, like before the race to to really mm. like uh, be able to hold the pace uh, through the entire course and uh, mm. being able to not start off too fast. So I had. I had I had some uh, really long sessions of uh, like seventy five minutes worth of uh, of uh, high speed running where I ran a, a loop three times of twenty five mm-hmm. minutes uh, me- measuring heart rate and lactate and this, uh, and the speed and really like trying to nail that uh, opening speed but. Um, but you know when when you're at the start of uh, or the, the at, at the start line of work, it's uh, it's uh, hard. It, it's it's easy to forget uh, those uh, those uh, strat- strategies. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. When the cameras are there, it goes out the window. Yeah, and I I must say I I felt it it, it didn't feel too fast in the beginning. Uh, it felt okay. So. Mm. Okay. It's hard to know. It's a it's a difficult uh, line to uh, line to walk. Yeah. So I was commentating on the IOF um, TV kind of online stream, and we kept we saw you coming out of the first TV control into that first really long leg, and you came out in just a really really great direction. And having I think you ended up must have ended up with the fastest time, or at least one of the fastest times for that leg. And comparing the way everybody else kind of exited that control and got down to the road you just seem to be so much quicker on that section and you did so well on the long legs like do you know what went well there yeah uh i had a quite uh, a good plan uh, beforehand of like i knew that that there were uh, 300 or 400 meters to the start uh, start point um mm-hmm. and i i knew that there, there, there would be a, one, one or two really long legs, and uh, mm-hmm. one of them would probably be in the beginning. That's like basic uh, long distance uh, uh, course planning. Uh, yep. So I uh, used those uh, 300 meters to find the the first long leg on the map and uh, really picking the right the right route to that one. Um, yeah. So I so that's when I came to the control uh, before the long leg, I. Uh, I uh, had already planned uh, that that leg uh, ten minutes before, so I knew exactly where to where to go. Pretty impressive, everybody listening. Like planning your legs even before you get to the start triangle. Uh, that's what we like to hear. Um, what was the kind of reaction in Norway? Obviously, a home world championships. What were people's reactions to that silver medal? Yeah, well, that that was really special. 
like uh, one thing is that it, it was in Norway, but uh, another thing is that it was in Östfold, which is uh, mm. where my entire family comes from. Oh um, wow! Yeah, so that's that's a one, once in a lifetime experience. Uh, I I don't think many had um, expected uh, me to take a medal. That I do think maybe a lot of people thought I maybe would get the top ten or a top top six uh, if mm. I was uh, doing a really good race. But I I think those who those who really know me they they also knew that I I was capable of doing doing something like this. That's great to have that that confidence from those people around you. And did you kind of get any advice with in terms of? transitioning from that junior to senior races i know you've done a few world cups before um i think european champs as well but you know first world championships um did it feel different to jaywalk uh and did you get any advice on how how it would be different i feel there's um, a lot of questions in there sorry yeah. <laughs> well like everything is uh relative so like my my first jaywalk was felt really big as well and even my first uh, big races as uh, well, as a 13-year-old felt really big. So, yeah, at the day, it didn't really feel like a, a, a huge competition. Like, I, I had an early starting number and uh, and uh, felt like I could do could do my own thing and uh and yeah as you said i've i have uh, been running some uh, world cups beforehand like and like uh, a a oak uh, sprint uh, in 2018 mm-hmm. i guess i knew was what was uh what, what was coming yeah that uh that helps a lot um and so let's go and talk about some of those uh jaywalks those junior world championships first one i believe in 2017 in finland um and then Three, um, three in total. Uh, do you have a favorite race? Yeah, I think, uh, or most uh, certainly the long distance uh, in twenty eighteen uh, is the most uh, memorable one. It's um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a special race for me. We had won the relay the last the, the year before, but uh, winning an uh, individual race. And doing such a good race on that day was really special. And also because it was in such a special type of terrain that I had really prepared uh, as much as I could for. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's in Hungary. So what what was the terrain like? Yeah, it was almost completely flat. I think the maximum height difference, difference was like 10 meters. It was basically about, about taking... Uh, a uh, bearing and just running as straight as possible uh, on the line, uh, avoiding some green bushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I I did that really well, and I uh, my speed was uh, really good on that day. And uh, yeah, I I did make one small, or it wasn't really small, but uh, a one one minute mistake. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, rest of, the rest rest of the race was uh, close to perfect. It's like one of those days where you just get in the zone and uh, execute uh, perfectly. Yeah. And it's really hard for a lot of the juniors you see at at Jaywalk. People can run fantastically well or they just lose their heads and they can make massive mistakes. So if you were managed to be in the zone on that race, what what got you there? What was the key for you? I think uh, one of the keys was that I, I had prepared really well for that race. 
like I'm pretty sure that no no other athlete on that day had uh, prepared uh, as much uh, for 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 J-Work as I had. I had uh, taken a lot of trips down to 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 Hungary, most of them by myself or with one or two other runners. And uh, and like physically as well, I had uh, prepared for a fast uh, and uh, flat course while all others like the Swedes and uh, Norwegians had uh, been running a lot in in tough Norwegian Nor- Norwegian terrain. Would well, uh, you prefer fast and flat or really te- technical and hilly and tough? Oh, that's a hard uh, hard choice. <laughs> I I guess I like that that type of terrain that was on Jaywalk in 2018 was yeah, I I really enjoyed that. I really did. But um there is something special about uh uh technical and tough Norwegian forests as well. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a hard uh, hard to choose. I like them both. Comparing say your your first Jaywalk to your last Jaywalk, what did you were there any lessons you learnt? Anything, you know, you did wrong early on that you kind of corrected as you went through yeah well well uh, my, my my first year work in 2017 uh and, and at the first race the middle distance distance qual- qualification i uh, managed to take uh take uh, a wrong uh, control uh, that was mm. uh, 30 meters uh. away from my right my other one so it started off really really bad um and i was really uh, disappointed about that and then I, I I couldn't really get my head back uh, after after that, and did, I did I did get a tenth tenth place at the sprint, yep. but uh, uh, other than that, I was really uh, yeah really out of it until the last day. And then when the the relay came, I suddenly got my uh, confidence back and uh, executed well. So that so that was a big. Uh, big lesson to take away that even if it doesn't go go as well as or, or go as planned the first day it, it's uh, it's possible to turn it around and i guess i used uh, used that lesson uh, in uh, 2019 when i uh, got disqualified on the sprint on the first day <laughs> yeah exactly well was it kind of a thing about you know relays are really special running with your teammates and not wanting to let them down did that help you try and pull things together and have that that better focus into that race well i i would love to say yes but uh, <laughs> i i don't think i don't really think that was what what was going on in my mind i think uh, i i i remember on the on the warm up for, for example my it, it was like 10 minutes until the start and i was uh, i was still uh, i don't know like taping my ankles or doing something with my shoes and my mm. and uh, the uh, team uh, leaders were uh, yelling at me and telling me telling me to get up and uh, start jogging and uh, get ready to start and i was just uh, totally relaxed and didn't really didn't really mind mind them at all and uh, mm-hmm. i just uh, yeah i i, I I re- remember smiling at the start line and just uh, really feeling uh, like a rush of uh, of uh, confidence and happiness on the, uh, on the start there. Uh, I, d- I don't really know why. I guess I guess it, I, I guess I just uh, managed to forget about all the other bad races that week and uh, and uh, really wanted to enjoy my last 
my last uh, race that week. Mm. Mm. Well, maybe maybe it's because it was the last race. Um, but so you talked about you mentioned that disqualification in the sprint. I hate to bring it back up again. Um, <laughs> but then tenth place in 2017 in the sprint, third in 2018. So still, I mean, you're still doing pretty good, but not quite as well maybe in the sprints. Uh, Are yeah, you an all-rounder or only the is the forest definitely your preference? Well, I I guess if uh, if I was to have one one uh, regret from my junior career it would be that I didn't get a gold medal in the sprint as Jaywalk. Mm. Yeah, I, I I don't know why. I just had bad races every year at sprint mm. in uh, Jaywalk. And even that uh, bronze medal in 2018 was like I I had lost uh, almost a minute out on the course uh, mm. and really yeah I, I I was really surprised that it, it would uh, uh, be that that a good of a result in the end mm. um, so I, yeah, I don't know I, uh, I I am I am definitely I am uh, all, all arounder and uh, I've done some really good sprint races uh, races uh before uh, like on oaring and sprint and uh and some uh races in norway and uh and also i i did get a uh or t- two seven places places at uh, world cup sprint uh mm. uh last year so i uh, i would definitely say i'm an all- all-rounder and uh i i think i could do just as well in sprint as i uh, i have done in uh, the forest so far mm. Mm. So how do you see things going forwards, of course, with, um, uh, well, I guess next year's walk is now no longer going to be forest only, but, you know, from then on, um, those the split walks, are you going to be trying to still focus on all disciplines each each year with the World Cups and stuff as well, or prioritise kind of one each year when it's a sprint walk or when it's a forest walk? Even prioritise next year, because it's a pretty intense programme walk now i think yeah. the middle like middle qualifier final on the same day yeah uh, yeah definitely well like um if if we uh, look at uh the next years uh when uh, when sprint and uh, uh and forest will be divided at walk i will uh go almost 100 percent uh uh towards walk like Mm. I I don't really mind the the World Cup or uh, European champs. I, it's like it's the it's the World Champs that matter. So uh, that has been my plan to to like uh, really dial in on uh, sprint uh, when it's walk sprint and on forest when it's walk in forest. Mm. Um, so but but um, but next year uh, is uh, yeah that that will be. Uh, uh difficult uh to choose we do have uh european champs in sprint uh a couple of month be- months beforehand as well so i will uh definitely try to train for both uh but with the main focus on uh, on the forest races but uh the as you said the, the schedule at walk next year will be really tight so it will be hard hard to run all races, so I uh, mm. I think maybe I'll have to choose uh, one race that uh, I will not run. Uh, either, uh, yeah, uh, I'll graciously I'll, uh, step aside for a for a teammate. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, but no, no, but I uh, 
I, uh, I, I do want to run well both as Brent and, uh, uh, and Forrest at Walk next year. Mm. Speaking of, of, of Walk next year, so we had that news this week of um, tra- official training areas in the Czech Republic becoming a bit going back in an embargo. The Czech team aren't allowed to kind of do Walk specific training and people from abroad not being able to come and do the, that walk specific training is that something that's gonna affect you yeah 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 definitely i i was planning on going to czech republic uh, next month even if it were it if, if, if it would mean i would have had to go by myself and by car mm-hmm. or whatever so um yeah i i i have uh, been in, in czech republic once in 2018 at the world cup but, I, but we only got got one forest forest training and one forest race, uh, and that's all of the experience I have in that train. Um, so I guess for young and uh, inexperienced uh, athletes as myself, this has quite a big consequence, um, especially mm. when it's uh, such a special terrain like at Walk Next Year. Mm. But do you think if you know, if some people aren't able to go from particular countries or whatever, or not able to quarantine, do you think, do you think the IOF and the walk organizers made the right decision or the wrong decision? Uh, well, like, like the, this is, uh, these are really special times. So mm. I, I think it's, um, if the goal is to get, uh, uh, more fair play and less, uh, less uh, sickness in uh, different countries then I uh, I, I, I agree uh, but uh, I do think it's weird that um, that uh, the Czech team are not allowed to do any work relevant trainings as uh, all of their trainings are <laughs> work relevant mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I think it's a very very tricky one um, to to know what to do in terms of that whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision but yeah. so Czech Republic not going to happen at least at the moment. What what is next for you? What are you doing over the winter? What what will that look like for you? I I do want to try to get uh, get uh, a couple of training camps in uh, yeah in some other country than Sweden um, mm-hmm. in some continental in some continental terrain if it, that's uh, possible. Uh, but I, I think most of the winter will be spent in uh, in Gothenburg. Hopefully, without too much uh, snow this winter, and I will, uh, I will, I will try to uh, get some uh, continuity in my training again, uh, and uh, do my best not to get another injury or uh, stress reaction. Um, mm. And I feel like if I, I can get a uh, good winter and spring of training, I can take uh, some big steps forward and uh, and uh, be ready for what's to come. So I'm yeah. uh, I'm really excited. And in terms of your orienteering and the the technical side of things, the navigation, what over the next few years are you looking to improve in most? What what technical parts are you looking to improve in? Like my my, my mindset when it comes to technical training is uh, it, it's uh, it looks a bit different from uh, the typical orienteer. I think. Okay. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm really dialed into. To the type of terrain that will happen in uh, in uh, uh, in walk or uh, or previously day- jaywalk, all of my focus goes towards uh, 
training for those big championships and I don't really care about uh, doing well in uh, other types of terrains um, so yeah but I so so for, so like uh, the next year or two it's uh, all about uh, trying to improve my uh, my uh, technical abilities in uh, work relevant terrain so next year that will be a really big job as it's uh, quite a special type of terrain and I yeah. think I have a long way to go until I'm uh, good enough uh, technically in uh, in that uh, in that type of terrain. And does that mean there's pretty much no technical training that you'll do in Gothenburg? Well, no. I I will do some training. I think maybe maybe one uh, one hard orienteering session and one easy one every week throughout mm-hmm. the winter, and some uh, tr- some training camps. Like they they do have some. Uh, more continental type of terrain in Sweden uh down south so mm-hmm. maybe do some do some camps there and um i will definitely <laughs> try to keep my uh my uh, map reading um skills uh up through the winter uh like uh compared to other runners i um, i don't do a lot of uh a lot of uh, orienteering uh, training uh, outside from work relevant uh, training. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, that that seems to be your system. It seems to be working. So, I mean, why change it if it's not, you know, if it's still working? Well, um, best of luck with what training you can do over the winter and, of course, uh, into um, next summer as well with all those competitions. We'll be following that very closely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, what a cracking interview with with Casper Fossil there. Hopefully, um, you've all got something to take away from that. I have. I've, I think I've become a massive fanboy in the last <laughs> last little while. I'm going to go and see if I can get the treadmill and whack it up to a full incline. Catherine, how did you find it? Oh my gosh, you, I I want to see proof of you doing this. Um, I know it was. I was great to have that chat from Casper, and I think different perspective on on how to train and and doing mm. that less technical training. I mean, less technical training compared to other Scandinavians. Probably more technical training compared to a lot of the Brits. I don't yeah. know. Interesting. Still two sessions there. per week during the winter, so probably double of what most Brits are doing. It, well, yeah, a lot, more, way, way more. But it kind of interesting about that, you know, training by yourself, and I think a lot of the top ones do that like Olaf Lindenez um, definitely does and probably Tove Alexanderson does quite a lot as well and mm. you know having your own sessions training by yourself does that get you that edge over some of the others who knows maybe a topic for future discussions mm, definitely definitely um, but that's it that's it mostly for this week so we'll just uh, we'll leave you with a message about our one, one of our sponsors um, Straight Compasses Catherine believe you've been uh, using this in some of the training that you've been doing recently with uh, some of the juniors in South Central. Yeah, I've been kind of noticing a lot that the juniors sometimes have been struggling with the thumb compasses and getting the it lined up exactly right. And if you have it, you know, five degrees off, you could end up, you know, a little bit off and you just have to kind of be really vigilant to keep your wrist straight, your arm straight and make sure that the line of the compass is pointing completely perpendicularly away from your body and Mm. i think the advantages of the straight compass it actually has a strap you can adjust and change the angle of it so you don't have to completely be like bending your wrist in an odd way to make it line everything line up with your body that really could be a bit of a game changer for for some people if they're you know struggling with the compass they have currently 
So if you want to get hold of any of those compasses, um, you can email Mary Fleming uh, at, on the email address nvstraight.uksales at gmail.com, N-V-I-I-S-T-R, and then the number eight, dot ukSales at gmail.com. Mm. Yeah, especially for those real fundamentals of people getting into the sport and, you know, doing those quick bearings when you're uh, um, in terrain at night or whatever. So um, oh, looking forward to... Uh, to using myself in the uh, lakes races next weekend, which are, yes, there are some actual elite races next weekend in the lakes as well, as we stand at the moment, possibly even a night race and a chasing start contributing to the UK Elite League. Look out for some results from that as well. Uh, we'll do a full wrap of that next time, but we'll uh, we'll leave it there for now. Catherine, thanks very much as always, and um, hope to see everyone on the next one. <laughs>